Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. How many of you appreciated what Tim Mackler had to say this morning? Tim, great job. Outstanding. Once again, you met and even exceeded my expectations, and you were great with your time management, something I was a little nervous about. But thank you so much for proclaiming a blessing over our veterans. How many know they deserve it? The recognition and the prayer. We're so thankful for you, and we will remember. Okay, last Sunday, if you were here with us, or even if you weren't, we started a new series entitled Matters of the Heart. And of course, we're not talking about the fleshly or the physical heart that we all have in the middle of our chest. You know, that amazing little 10-ounce organ that beats about 100,000 times a day, pumping 2,000 gallons of blood to more than 64,000 blood vessels every 24 hours. Not talking about that heart. We're referencing our spiritual hearts. And from a biblical standpoint, the heart is the control center of all of human life operations. I'm going to repeat that again. The spiritual heart is the control center of all of life's operations. In other words, it's at the nucleus of everything that we do. Actions, attitudes, activities, intentions, involvements, interests, thoughts, feelings, emotions, decisions, solutions, conclusions, all a matter of the heart. In fact, every arena in life, whatever it is that we're involved in or participate in, it intersects the heart. Everything passes through the heart on its way to wherever it's going. And so in essence, the heart is you. It's everything about you. The heart is who you are as a person. Now, over the past 30 years or so, I have performed a little over 150 weddings. And in simple terms, a wedding celebration is of two people coming together or being joined together in marriage. And during the wedding ceremony, the bride and the groom, they will enter into a covenant relationship with each other and make a lifelong promise to one another. For better, for worse. Some of you remember this. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish until death do us part. And every single wedding that I've been involved in, without exception, following the promise or the vow a gift or a covenant ring was given to the other person. That ring was given to not only confirm the vow, but as a sign of ongoing love and commitment. You see, when the people who are getting married, the couples who's being joined together in marriage, when they exchange covenant rings, here's what they say. It's what they always say. With this ring... I promise my heart to you forever. I promise my heart. 
They're not talking about organ transplant there. They didn't say, I promise you my checkbook or debit card, my motorcycle or makeup kit. Not even my undying love and devotion. I promise you my heart, all that I am, everything about me, my entire being. You see, that's what it means when we talk about a spiritual heart. That's the definition. It's who we are individually as a person. And with regard to the heart of man, God tells us in his word, he says this to us, I have some good news and some bad news. First, the bad news. We live in a broken world. And there's evil and sin all around us. And because of sin, not something that we desire or even care to do on our own, but because of the sin, the human heart is flawed. In fact, the scripture describes it as being deceitful and at times wicked and evil. And if you don't believe me, watch an episode or two of Dateline or Forensic Files. You'll see how ugly the human heart can get. But God didn't stop there. He didn't say there's just bad news. He said, I've got some good news for you. I came up with a plan to fix it. I sent my son Jesus into the world to go to the cross and die on the cross for the sins of the world. Every sin, every iniquity, every transgression. And if you would be willing to accept the full work of the cross and surrender your heart to me, I'm going to give you a new heart. I will heal your heart. Exchange it, give you a transplant. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 26, we shared this last week, God said it this way, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's what God said he'll do for us. Give us a tender, loving, sensitive, caring, responsive heart. God said, my Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, an extension of me and my son. He will be with you always. He'll walk with you. He'll work with you. He'll convince you of what's right. He'll convict you of what's wrong. And he will teach you and show you how to have a heart just like the heart of God. And how many of you are up for something like that? I sure am. I, I, I'm... Tired of playing games. I don't want to go through the motions of Christianity. My passion is for God to take this heart of mine and to change it, to transform it, to do the work that needs to be done. But just like everything else, anything good that God gives to us, the enemy always comes after. He always is retaliating. He's always trying to rip us off. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 10? The thief or the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. This is his objective in MO, in the life of every believer. He wants to take from you the good things that God has given you. And Jesus warned us, this is what his objective is. But what did Jesus say? I have come that you might have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. If we desire 
that kind of life, if we want to know and walk in the blessing and the promise of God, then we have to protect what is ours and we have to send the devil packing on his way. Become wise and discerning and understand the times that we're living in. And we are living during a time of ongoing spiritual warfare. There is a battle raging around us. And in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, Solomon said some things to us. This is a powerful statement that he made. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your what? Guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Again, the heart is the center of all activity, and it is essential, it is extremely important, critical, really, that we carefully guard and protect our heart. Again, we're talking about our spiritual hearts now. Now, years and years ago, when I was a police officer, I went to work uh, one day. I uh, actually was in the evening. I reported for duty. I was working midnights. And my lieutenant supervisor, he came looking for me even before the start of the shift, which was very unusual. He never did that. He always came after, after the shift started. But even before I had a chance to stand at roll call and get my assignment, he came to me and he said, Rhea, you are not going to appreciate this assignment I'm going to give you, but I need you right now to get your gear together, find your partner, and I want you to go to this address. He gave me a residence to go to. He said, I want you to take the scout car, park it in a driveway, and protect the occupant of that house. I want you to guard that house. He said, the gal who lives there is a police witness in a brutal homicide, and she just received death threats. And I want you to guard her. I want you to make sure nothing bad happens to her. I want her to testify. I said, sure, Lieutenant. No problem. I'll be glad to do that. How long? How long you want me to stay there? He said, all night. The entire shift. Eight hours. That's when I began to whine. And he knew it. I said, why me? Why are you going to make me sit in a scout car at the same location for eight hours? He said, because you arrested the shooter. And I know that you have an invested interest in this, a vested interest in this case. And after he gave me the name of the, of the bad guy, guess what? He was right. I was involved, deeply involved in that case. And on my way to that location, I was fully prepared to do everything I needed to do to guard that witness with my life. See, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else. Say that. One more time, please. Above all else, literally more important than anything else you can do, at the highest possible priority that can exist, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And that word guard in the Hebrew is an action word. It means to be engaged with all diligence, to watch over, to keep, protect, and preserve. It also means to assign a garrison or station troops in order to defend or fortify a city. 
Are you getting a picture of what that looks like? That's what I want you to imagine here this morning. I want you to imagine a detachment of armed guards and soldiers marching in step, forming a garrison around your life and around your heart. That's what it means to guard your heart. And spiritually speaking, this is what we have to put into place every day. We can't miss. It's something that we need to do, given the world that we live in, each and every day of our lives. In fact, hour by hour, minute by minute. We have to learn what it means to carefully protect what's going on on the inside. There are so many temptations, so many distractions, so many pitfalls around us, and many people are falling into them. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gave us some really great instructions. What did he say? Put on the full armor of God each and every day so that we can stand strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So many of us are trying to be strong in our own power, our own strength. It doesn't work. You will fail. But the authority and the strength and the spiritual armor that God has given to us, it will help us to prevail so that we can make quality decisions each and every day. We can grow in our faith each and every day, and we can be actively involved in advancing the kingdom of God as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's still the goal. Full devotion to him, disciples of Jesus. And then in addition to full devotion, the spiritual spiritual armor that we have will also enable us to stand strong against the devil's schemes and strategies. And again, we cannot, please listen to me when I tell you, we cannot underestimate the spiritual warfare that is taking place in our world today. Satan, I've covered this on many different occasions. He knows his time is is short. He's taken off the gloves He's coming at us, completely attempting to overwhelm and trip up the saints of God. And his number one target, listen to me, the number one target of the enemy is the church of Jesus Christ. Nothing new there. Please don't think that what's happening today in 2020, what's happening in our world, is a coincidence. Friends, it's not about people or politics. It's not about flesh and blood. It's never been about flesh and blood. It's about the enemy trying to silence the church of God. It's an anti-Christ spirit that's loose in our world today. And with the devil, his number one objective, what he's always after, is division, diversion, and dissension. See a little bit of that in our world today. And when that same kind of thing was happening to King David, and you could read all about it in the Old Testament and even through the Psalms, and now we're talking about a guy who was described as a man after God's own heart. Here was a man who had the heart of God. And when the same kind of thing, dissension and division, was taking place in his life, and he could see it happening in his own heart, Here's the prayer he prayed, recorded in Psalm 86, 11. David said, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. 
Nothing else. David said, what I want more than anything else is to be able to trust God. Every situation I encounter, everything that I come in contact with, I want to be able to put my trust and my faith in God. And then David said, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. The Amplified Version says that I might reverence and honor your name, God. No one else's name. Your name. What a powerful prayer. Give me an undivided heart. Lord, help me to guard my heart, protect my heart, so that I might honor you. All right, in the time remaining this morning, what I'd like to do is just tell you one last story. This story is found in the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5. And just to kind of give you the backstory, let me tee it up for you, okay? Let me um, set the stage. This particular story takes place during the time when Elisha was the prophet in Israel. And as you well know, Elisha was a great prophet. Jesus made reference to him several times in the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels. Well, during the reign of Elisha, when Elisha was prophet, there was a, a man, his, na- his name was Naaman. He was the commander of the Syrian army. And the scripture tells us that God's favor rested on this man. Even though he wasn't an Israelite, he, he, was, a, he was Syrian, Still, he had some connection with Jehovah God, and God favored him. And because God blessed him, he was successful in battle. In fact, the Bible says that Naaman was a valiant soldier. He was a great man. His name in Hebrew means beautiful. And he was just an outstanding guy, even though he wasn't an Israelite. Only had one little problem. He had leprosy. Not full-blown leprosy but just the early stages of it. But I mean, you know, there was no cure for leprosy back then. So he was going to go into a terminal situation. It was actually, at some point, going to take his life. Well, living with him and, and working for Naaman's wife is this little Jewish girl, and she told both uh, Naaman and his wife that there was a man, there was a prophet in Israel who had the power to heal And so when Naaman heard about that, he decided to go check it out. And Elisha got word that Naaman was coming to see him and that Naaman had leprosy. So after clearing it with God and going before the Lord, what happened is Elisha gave instructions to his servant Gehazi to meet Naaman and to tell Naaman, this is what the Lord says, go to the river Jordan and take a bath. Make sure that you go in and you wash seven times. So go in the water, come up, Dip seven times. That's what God wants you to do, and God will heal you of your leprosy. Do you remember Naaman's response? He said, this is ridiculous. He was upset. He was mad. He was ticked. He said, you want me to go to the River Jordan, that filthy, muddy river? There's beautiful springs of water in Syria. Why am I going to go all the way there just to take a bath? And then he said, I thought this great prophet of yours would have at least showed up. He would have at least met with me, gone through some kind of ritual, pray to his God, call upon the name of his God, and do something supernatural and something miraculous. He sends his servant to me with instructions. No way. I'm not doing it. Naaman says, I'm not going. 
Well, cooler heads prevailed, and over time, his advisors were able to talk him into going. They said, what, what do you have to lose? I mean, you're sick. At least go and try it. So Naaman went to the River Jordan. He did exactly what Elisha the prophet told him to do. He went into the waters. He went up and down, dipped himself seven times. And on the seventh time, in accordance with the word that Elisha had given to him, he came out of the water, and he was completely healed. And the leprosy was gone, and his skin was as smooth as could be. And as soon as that happened, Naaman realized uh, that he had just been a recipient of the miracle, and his life was now going to be altered and changed forever. He and his attendants made a beeline to where Elisha and Gehazi were staying. And Naaman said to Elisha, Now I know that there's no God in heaven but Jehovah God. He is the only true and living God. I mean, you know, every single time that God does something good, it's for that reason. It's so that he gets the glory. And Naaman says, now I know. God is God. Jehovah God, there's no one like him. And Elisha says, amen. I've been saying that for years. And then Naaman, what he did is he started unloading Bags of money, clothing, stylish shoes, everything you could possibly think of off of his donkey, and he started putting them in a pile, and Elisha said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I, I want to show my appreciation to you. I want you to, to know how grateful I am that you gave me instructions, and the Lord healed me, and I, I'm a recipient of a miracle. I want, you to, I want to bless you. Elisha says, no, I can't accept that at your hand. I didn't do anything. I, I just led you and pointed you to God. God's the one who deserves the glory, not me. Naaman impressed him. He insisted. Elisha stood his ground, said, I can't receive anything from you. Put that stuff back on your donkey. We're done here. And so Naaman did that. He said, okay. Put all of his stuff back on his donkey. Put all of the clothing, all the money back in the saddles. And he left. And let's pick up the story there. 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. So Naaman is gone now. Him and his guys are gone. But Gehazi hurried after Naaman. Remember, who was Gehazi again? That's the servant of Elisha. When Naaman saw Gehazi running towards him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked. Everything's just fine, Gehazi answered. It's all right. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets, they just happened to come to me from the hill country of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means. Take the two talents, said Naaman. And he urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver in two bags with two sets of clothing and he gave them to two of his servants and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. This is a lot of stuff here. It's taking two guys to carry it. Do you think it's going to the, any other prophets? No, Gehazi has got this in mind for himself. He's thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to get some stuff out of this deal. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and he put them in the house, the house he was staying in, his house. He sent the men away and they left. And when he went in and stood before his master, Elisha asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? 
Now verse 27. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi went from Elisha's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Do you know what happened here? Gehazi failed to guard his heart. He allowed the enemy to divide his heart, and he was successful. The enemy was successful at tripping Gehazi up. And and let me just tell you, when you you read through these chapters, Gehazi's a good man. He's one of the good guys. In fact, Elisha was mentoring him to become the next prophet in Israel. Remember, Elisha was the protege of Elijah. And when Elijah was taken up into heaven in a chariot of fire, I mean, went right into the presence of God alive, because Elisha was able to see that, he received a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And so now he's training Gehazi to take over after him. And Gehazi had all the tools. He was being groomed for greatness. God was going to use Gehazi in a tremendous way. But when he saw all of that wealth and all of that money and the possessions that he could have, even though Elisha told him, you know, we got to back up on this one. we got to stay humble. Give God the glory. We can't receive anything from Naaman. He let the enemy come in. He didn't guard his heart. He lost focus and he got distracted. And what a harsh judgment that was on Gehazi. Proverbs 23 says, above all else, can I get you to say that one last time? Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Friend, this is the instruction and the prophetic word of the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us today. And I trust that as we make it through this month and we talk about matters of the heart, that they, these lessons, these messages would be more than just another sermon. That we wouldn't listen to them and say, okay, makes sense. But that we would allow the Holy Spirit to do something unique and divine and deep in each of our hearts. Today, I beg of you, I appeal to you, we have to guard against Anything other than what the Lord is saying to us and what the Lord has revealed to us in his word. And so in closing, real quickly, let me give you three ways to do that. Three ways to guard your heart. This will help you. Just these three. And I'm not going to go on and on here. We're going to end in just a couple minutes. Number one, three ways to guard your heart. Monitor carefully what's going in and what's coming out. Monitor what's going in and what's coming out. You know, when I stayed at that police witness residence all night long. Nothing or nobody went in or out of that house without my knowledge and close observation. We have to carefully scrutinize. Listen to me, please. What we see, what we watch, what we listen to, what we become involved in. And if for some reason you find yourself one day and you're not happy about what's coming out of you, Chances are you have to increase the filter of what's going in. I have found that when I'm restless, when I get irritated and maybe even a little impatient, God forbid, 
It's usually because I've allowed a little bit of the outside clutter to get into my heart. And Jesus basically said, what goes in, it's going to come out. It will eventually come out. His exact words in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We have to be careful with what we let in because eventually it's going to come out. All right, a second way to guard our heart is to surround and saturate our, wor our world with God's word. His word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Just like the rib cage is protection for the human heart against injury and trauma, so the word of God, it's a barrier and shield around us. It will protect us. God's word. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 says, every word of God. How much of God's word? Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The word of God will protect you. It will protect your spiritual heart. Okay, finally, number three, the third way to guard your heart is by choosing to become a peacemaker. Always opting for the path of peace. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed favored to be envied are those who learn the value of peace. Our natural response to conflict at times is to come out swinging. But Jesus said there's a very special blessing that comes when we become agents of peace, when we choose peace. Peace instead of anger. Peace instead of dissension. Peace instead of hostility. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 says this, and I close the message out, and the peace of God, the what? The peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Bonus, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for visiting us with your presence in such a wonderful way. Thank you, Lord, for this entire service. Lord, you are speaking to your church today. Prophetically, Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart to understand what it is that you're saying. Father, we don't want to come into church or into your presence and leave the same way that we came in. We want the hand of God, the Holy Spirit of God, to go to work in our heart. Lord, we need some adjustment. We need some exchange of work to be done. We need that power of God to make necessary changes in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the command and the instruction to carefully guard the heart, just like a rib cage guards the human heart, Lord. I pray that as the people of God, we would listen to what you have to say, that we would monitor, Lord, what comes in and out of our minds and our hearts, that we would surround our world with your word, Lord, that your word would have the highest priority in our lives, and that, Lord, we would commit ourselves to peace. When the rest of the world is raging, let the church of Jesus Christ lead the way with peace and comfort, and faith. Thank you, Lord, for blessing our 
service today. Thank you for every person here, every home that's represented, the people who are watching or listening, even after today. You are a good God. We put our trust in you. Teach us, Lord, how to have hearts that are not divided. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for coming and being with us this morning. Thank you for joining us online. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.